Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes, and we are joined by my colleague, Tim Miller. Uh, Tim, um, I, I get emails every once in a while. By the way, hey, good morning. Good morning to you, Charlie. I get emails every once in a while saying, you guys, you need to move on. You need to stop talking about the coup and the, the sedition and all of that stuff. And because, I don't know, there's more important things to talk about. And today, that's actually true for at least for the first five minutes, because we have to talk about the Milwaukee freaking bucks. <laughs> you parachuted into my fair city the other day, and you you put on a t-shirt, uh, sort of a little bit of a little bit of a cosplay of a Bucks fan. But you were actually here for the the epic game three. So um, are, are I was, you like officially a fear the deer guy now, or I'm not? I mean, I'm a Nuggets fan, and I'm I'm not going to switch. But my buddy um, uh, was the Bucks PR guy uh, for a while, and 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 um, you know has so so I've always you know sort of felt like they were my ever since he took that job my Eastern Conference team, I and mean, he was the officiant at my wedding. Okay. So not just not just somebody, a good okay. friend, and. Um, so I've been monitoring. I'm well. I'm I'm well steeped in, you know, the Bucks uh, depth chart, and you know everybody's complaints about Coach Bud and everything. So I feel like I can talk the talk. And uh, man, it was fun. It was the first Finals game since '71. I know uh, the energy was so great. It's like this post-COVID energy slash. It's been 50 years, 40 years, however long that's been. And um and and man, it was awesome in there. We had we had great seats. Um, you know, kind of you you watch. You spend a year and a half watching sports on TV, and it feels feels like a video game you know just you know watching it all in person was amazing and the other thing charlie i do i hate to give you credit for things but i do think you kind of have to get credit for this um the bulwarks brand in milwaukee pretty strong really Uh, yeah i i was i was i had three separate people um mentioned to me that they were bulwark people when i was walking around the stadium and outside the stadium beforehand i also saw our friend christian schneider beforehand who's written for the bulwark and um after the game i will say i was i don't i can't give you a full transcript of this conversation because i was having fun during game three i'm not gonna lie we did have a couple pops uh but i i I have i have seen the videos (laughs) i I bumped into um uh, a woman her husband who are uh bulwark fans we took pictures uh they want me to fly back in for game six we're instagram pals now and so you know it's it's uh something is happening here i think that the people of milwaukee might might want us to do a live show or something because well, I'm, I'm telling you when I walk around when I walk around Oakland I'm not getting this kind of this kind of reception. This was just, so people recognized you here in Milwaukee. Yeah. They yeah. they this multiple this, people. This is this is excellent news for people who don't don't follow this sort of thing. And I assume that would be most people. Um, this is a huge deal for Milwaukee. Uh, the and and one of the things that they've done, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna put it up front that I was somewhat skeptical about uh, the new arena and about the financing of it. But forget about all of that. What <laughs> they probably, have done just really quick, Charlie. You probably got hassled by my buddy because that was what his job was. He was pushing well, the new arena. <laughs> well, no, I. I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we had conversations about it. I just I, I just have this thing about massive taxpayer subsidies for billionaires yeah. from out of town. OK, so that's my thing. But um, if if you knew what downtown Milwaukee, the, the part where you were out there in the in the in the deer district, they now call it. It, it was it was nothing. It was uh, it was just it was kind of rubble. It was it was nowhere. And they have turned this into this vibrant area. And the kinds of crowds that are turning out for this are, are things that, you know, quite frankly, leaving COVID aside, I have not seen in 
in Milwaukee in decades. I mean, there was massive street celebrations back when uh, the the, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers won won the uh, won the pennant back in 1982. But this is night after night, you know, huge crowds going into downtown Milwaukee, celebrating outside. Even the folks who don't get the tickets. And uh, it is really electric. So I'm just from the point of view of a Wisconsinite, this is really a re- remarkable. I mean, I, I have been following this stuff for years and years and years when I was a radio host for, for 23 years. We were the flagship station for the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks. So I have a lot of experience yeah. with this. I haven't seen anything like this in terms of just the excitement and 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 what this team is delivering who knows what's going to happen i think they're going to win in 6 bucks in 6 uh, but but that game 3 awesome and i'm glad you had a chance to sort of just see the the energy that yeah no it was really cool and we i was down there most of the day cuz i saw so i took this ridiculous red eye into town cuz there's you know not a lot of directs from oakland to milwaukee you might imagine uh, in order to get me in in time for the mm-hmm. day on a sunday so i took an absurd red eye and got there really early on on Sunday morning. Um, uh, I figured if I'm going to do this, I'm going for it. And so we stayed downtown all day. And yeah, I mean the whole day, the little the town was the, the town's packed, you know, for yeah. hours and hours before the game. Um, and so uh, it was uh, it was it was pretty good. I'm happy to hear that um, you know your cantankerous. I'm with you in principle on the taxpayer thing, but I'm happy to hear that after your cantankerous pushback, that the payoff is there. I'm sure well, that the, the owners yeah. will be thrilled. I'll, I'll flag this 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 for them so they can you know um, s- celebrate their 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 victory thanks to the t- thanks to the taxpayers. Yeah, but it I, was I, a moment. They all were really into it. I saw you know them uh, at the game too and um you know i just think that there's a genuine it, it's different for a town like milwaukee than in you know if the clippers it, it, had it, been it, there. it is you know, because, because we because we don't take it for granted it has been right. so long uh, there's a level of appreciation and excitement that you wouldn't find in a city that is you know same old same old we're in the finals again whatever no it is it is not like that so d- yes the return on investment has been fantastic i guess you have to sort of put it a little bit of context of my cantankerousness about this <laughs> because uh, you know sometimes the return on investments in these corporate welfare things totally. uh, don't turn don't turn out Totally. Uh, no, I totally. I mean, I'm, like I'm for, for example, this, this was taking place around the time that we were shoveling cash at Foxconn. So we had the Foxconn, <laughs> but, and I'm like going, really, really. really? No. So, in any in any case, I wanted to start off with that because love that we, Walker dig. We have to talk about secession, coups, lies, and grift. It's just another Thursday. Uh, and in, in my newsletter, I, I highlight this new poll showing that two thirds of Republicans in the South actually now favor secession. So they, there's some good news. But the story that everybody is talking about is this excerpt from this new book uh, about the final days of Trump by Carol uh, Leonig and um, is I, I'm pronouncing your name right? I, I hope and, and, and Philip Rucker of the Washington Post. Th- this new book, I alone can fix it: Donald Trump's catastrophic final year. And it is just this amazing account of what was going on inside the minds of the country's top military leaders. Here's a little brief cut from uh, the discussion from CNN. I mean, it's fascinating to hear how far General Milley and what exactly how he saw this. Um, According to their parallels, according to the book about what the former president said about the election being stolen and Adolf Hitler's rhetoric. Absolutely. Milley was so shaken by Trump's behavior 
that what he did was he got together with the other chiefs, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and they planned, they mm. believed there really could be a coup attempt by Trump. And Lennig and Rucker write, Milley viewed Trump as, quote, the classic authoritarian leader with nothing to lose. And then Milley is quoted as saying, this is a Reichstag moment, Milley told AIDS, the gospel of the Fuhrer. Damn. Okay, so Tim, <laughs> every once in a while we are accused of being alarmist, like, Tim, Charlie, why don't you guys just chill? And it's like, what? So Millie is asking, so he attends this Million Mega March briefing, and uh, Millie said he feared an American equivalent of brown shirts in the streets, alluding to paramilitary forces that protected Nazi rallies and enabled Hitler's ascent. Um, and somebody tells Millie, you are one of the few guys standing between us and some really bad stuff. Millie was shaken. What the fuck am I dealing with? Millie asked him. <laughs> Tim Miller. I, I where know, do you start I, with this? I just like I have so many mixed views on all this, Charlie. Um, I mean, for starters, you just do have to say, I mean, even like the darkest JVL triad newsletter during that two month period was <laughs> Millie was like, hold my beer. I'm even darker than that. Um, so yeah. I, I think that gives us, um, uh, you know, I, I, not that we needed, I think we all have been clearly vindicated well before this, but I, it is notable that. You know, that that this is somebody who is on the inside, who is on the front lines of this, who's had to deal with the potential ramifications in the most serious way, in the most serious job, is is deeply concerned that he's going to be solicited into a coup, is deeply concerned about the actions of the people on the streets in 1-6, the, the Proud Boys and the Nazis and the Boogaloo Boys, as he said. Um, and, 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 I, and rightly so, right? I mean, I think obviously so. And, and I think this is the amazing – you know, part of our like Alice in Wonderland world where we have to keep like reminding ourselves that we're not the crazy ones, you know, and, and it's it's always nice to be reminded that you're not the crazy one and 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 that the crazy ones are all the the people, the literally everyone to the I mean literally everyone to the right of us. Like I mean, you know, the Ross Douthats and even the quote unquote good conservatives like are writing columns about how we all need to calm down and tweeting at us about how we have TBS and you know, even the senators. I mean, for the most part, there was there was nobody out there that was warning about this um, on the on the center right, um, and obviously on the mega right, and and they all were just just couldn't have been more wrong and 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 meanwhile our our military is preparing for a coup so i mean i've got some other nitpicks about all this i mean i what shouldn't general milley have been talking about this before the sixth um for example you know how much of this is 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 reputation management um you know all that like is should the military there, there, even be plotting behind the scenes in a democracy to save us from a coup without you know in secret like i don't know that whole notion makes me uncomfortable so i, I do have some no, mixed I'm, feelings I'm, about okay, so I, I don't have mixed feelings. I, I want the military to protect us from a coup so that that would be <laughs> that would be okay so you you tweeted out um and I, there's a there's a lot of different takes on this but i yeah, sure. i quoted your tweet in my newsletter uh it is amazing that 
that the entire conservative ecosystem was saying that any coup concerned was derangement. Meanwhile, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is comparing it to the Reichstag. You know, by far the worst miss of the decade, and literally none of them have apologized or rethought their posture. None of them. You mentioned Ross Douth that writes for the, the New York Times. He actually, you want to talk about aging badly? Back yeah. in October, he did one of those, come on, guys, there will be no Trump coup. He's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And you can just run through all of the tweets. And I remember at the time we were going, hey, guys, we're really alarmed. Um, there's there's a reason why all the secretary of defense just signed that letter. Um, I mean, we need to be concerned about that. And we had all the, the eye rolling and, hey, yeah. you know, let's talk about something. Else. And I will admit I'm thinking, OK, are, have we gotten caught up in some sort of a you know, a, a doom loop of hysteria. Me and, too. And that, well, yet you have these moments. Um, and now we're getting this picture of what was going on behind the scenes. And it's alarming. But you know what's even more alarming, Tim? Yeah. We are talking about the man who is the presumptive 2024 yes. Republican presidential nominee and by far the prohibitive front runner to be nominated for president again. Even with all of this. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, th I mean, yes, yes. And nobody's saying anything about it. Well, we are. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, within his party, within his yeah. party, within right. the people that might support him. Right. Like there, there's no I mean, like there's no like guys, you know, maybe we should maybe it's time to turn the page. I mean, none of, nothing, nothing. Just, could we and, just move and, on? Yeah. And this it's gotten worse. I mean, that, that tweet that you mentioned, I, I think I got some fair pushback from, you know, all of my reply guys that was like. You know, one one of them, uh, you know, one of the criticisms of that tweet is like, it's actually understated. It's gotten worse. It's not that they haven't, that they just haven't apologized or that they haven't, you know, changed their posture or whatever I wrote. Like, they've gotten increasingly apologetic of his actions, defensive of his actions, praising of, you know, of his actions, you know, talking about Ashley Babbitt as a martyr, as, as Adam Kinziger wonderfully ranted about the other day on the podcast, so people didn't listen. That uh, was just excellent. I, 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 it, they have gotten, everyone has gotten worse. They're, they're going along with this more. And, 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 and it doesn't feel like anything can puncture it. You know, this 40 minute New York Times video that's so, so shocking when you just watch it that, you know, you have to kind of take breaks from it. You know, at the, you know, General Milley now comparing it to, to what was happening in Germany in the 30s. Like, I just, I, nothing will puncture that. And, and I, I, and, you know, we are back. Speaking of doom loops, we're back in the 2015 doom loop where you know that, you know, when I say these people again, I'm not talking about the Lauren Boberts, right? I'm talking about your Mitch McConnell's type and this type of republic. You know that they just want him to go away. You know they do. And – and, and they're just hoping. So instead of doing anything about it, the man that the general of the jo the joint – the head of the Joint Chiefs, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, excuse me, wanted to um, – you know, felt like he needed to save the country from is now on, on a glide path if he wants to, to having the, a major party nomination. <laughs> I mean it's just it's, – it's, it's baffling. Well, I want to underline it because it, it the problem is not the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens. I mean, that that is a discrete problem. Let's set it over the side. The problem are people like, um, since we've been talking about Wisconsin, uh, Mike Gallagher, Congressman Mike Gallagher, who is a smart guy, um, who uh, you know, a Republican congressman from the Green Bay area, who had that video on January 6th telling the president, you need to call this off, Mr. President. But he's one of the guys that's going to sit back and you're not going to hear much from him. And he's just sort of hoping that something's going to come along. 
You know, some, somebody else will stand up and somebody else will do this. And, and yet nobody else is going to do it. I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. I mean, look, I, I all respect for, for Liz Cheney doing this, but you kind of see that she's, she and Adam Kinzinger are pretty much alone when it comes to this. And even when you have trusted voices, people who have rock solid conservative Republican credentials, like that state senator in Michigan who said, yeah, this is the president's lying about. There was no fraud. It doesn't matter. There's, there's no, I mean, there's nothing's moving it. By the way, my, my, my other favorite uh, anecdote yeah. uh, of the day, Liz Cheney, um, oh, so good. S- smacking away Jim Jordan's hand on January 6th as he tries to protect the ladies from the Capitol building invaders, telling him, get away from you. You fucking did this. I, I just wish, just yeah. wish there I, were video. There was video of that. Uh, I do too. And Jordan, I mean, just it, it, what a classic character, just this misogynistic foe, you know, he's going to be the gentleman. Like in this moment, we need to get the ladies away from the door. <laughs> and Liz Cheney's just like, fuck you, bro. Well, you speaking of which, who are sending these people at me. So uh, the um, apparently Kevin McCarthy is meeting today with uh, the orange guy um, in in bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so. what, when while he's deciding who to put on the January sixth commission, how much to turn it into a joke, and you know that the Trump uh, is going to you know say you got to put somebody like Jim Jordan. Okay, I, I'm sorry to break bad on the, the people who write political playbook because I think it's really good. I really like it. Okay, but there's a line in there talking about you know the pressure on Kevin McCarthy to put. I think the term was heavyweights or heavy hitters like Jim Jordan <laughs> on the committee. Okay, no. Jim Jordan is not a heavyweight. He's not a heavy hitter. He's a he's just one of these toadies, these suck-ups. And what a and, and his appointment to this committee sitting across from Liz Cheney will be really just another indication of the complete lack of seriousness of the Republicans in dealing with all of these issues. So yeah, I mean, on both those points, I, like just going back to the Gallagher thing really quick, I, you know, there was the great Rudy Giuliani quote. This was dry Rudy, maybe not dry, maybe just a little wet Rudy before he'd completely lost his mind in the, at the 08 convention. Hope is not a strategy. And, and I, you know, Rudy and, and the Republicans really should listen to 08 Rudy about this because that, that really is where they're at. They're like, we just have to hope that the worst, the craziest shit doesn't take over. And there's there's been nothing that can happen that has that is that has demonstrated that that strategy is going to work. And that strategy literally goes all the way back to when I was in the 2015 primary and all the other candidates besides Jeb were like, yeah, hope we're just going to hope that that someone else takes Trump down. We're going to hope that he falls on his face. And eventually, we're going to, you know, they've been relying on this strategy for six years now. And, 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 and here we are that the Capitol have been stormed. As far as McCarthy, I'm interested in your take on this because I really, it's, it's, an, it's one that I don't, I just don't know what he's going to do on this one. I, I can't – I don't have a good read on whether they feel like the right answer is going to be to put, you know, um, Matt Gates uh, <laughs> and Jim Jordan on this on this panel or whether the, their best bet is just to ignore it. No, I, I, I think they're going to put somebody on and I think it's going yeah. to be somebody like uh, Jim Jordan. Matt Gates may be too much. Matt Gates, by the way, who's n- now appearing at free Britney Spears rallies in California. Just, what a weird so, thing. I know it is. It is such a weird thing. OK, let, let's just take this take a quick break and we'll be right back with more from Tim Miller. 
Hey, Charlie Sykes here. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you sign up for Bulwark Plus, you will have access to our morning newsletters to JVL's Triad, uh, as well as our whole suite of podcasts. This one will remain free, but if you want to listen to the secret podcast or uh, participate in our live streams uh, or others like the Next Level podcast, uh, please consider joining Bulwark Plus. We're back with my colleague, Tim Miller. We have been... Uh, well, the first half of the podcast, we talked about the Milwaukee Bucks and um, the the decline of American American democracy. Hey, you know, this would be a good time, Tim, since people maybe are thinking that we are not completely lost to Trump derangement syndrome because we did warn you that there was reason to be alarmed yeah. to say, I, I'm, I'm calling this shot again. Do not sleep on this secession thing. This is going to be the next MAGA play. You have two-thirds of Republicans who are saying they're in favor. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's going to be a thing on the right, particularly if Trump is not restored. We don't have a Trump restoration. You're going to be hearing more about this. Okay, now I know you're rolling your eyes, but um, you know, think about if somebody would have told you last year that we would go through the kinds of fears of a coup and January 6th that we actually experienced. If somebody had said, hey, this is what's going to happen after the election – you would have reacted the same way you're reacting right now to me talking about the, the push for secession. I'm just I'm just saying, do not ent- underestimate the crazy ever here. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, fair enough. You, I, yeah I mean, look at the vaccine. I, you know, any the poll of Republican right now is just I mean, it's really the polls of Republican voters are, as Bill would say, al- alarming. Uh, yeah, so, they, they are alarming. OK, so you mentioned you mentioned the vaccines yeah, and, sure. and this, this feels like something else where. I have to say there's something frustrating about being right, and, and I hope I'm not misunderstood here, but you know, it was easily predictable that uh, vaccines were going to be politicized, they were was going to be tribalized. However, seeing it actually play out is like, damn, you know, you know there are people who are dying. We have variants out there, and the state of Tennessee – decides that it's it's going to just stop any outreach to adolescents of any kind and the vaccine chief uh, is fired because she thinks that maybe she give public information about all of this and it, and it is you know I mean, I'm sorry it is, it's like watching the, the idiocracy spread across the country along partisan you know on a on partisan basis yeah, I gotta say this one actually I under undershot. Uh, it's been worse than I expected. Yeah. Um, Me because too. because yeah. I thought I thought that we were really talking about fifteen percent of the you know kind of right. Um, so or fifteen percent of the country, but but coming from the right, and then maybe an additional kind of few percent of like crazy libs or people who are under, um, you know, just don't have. Uh, you know, uh, either working to our underprivileged, marginalized, you know, just didn't want to get it. And then we'd end up at about 80%, right? That, that's kind of what I, I thought um, where we'd be. And and we're just, you know, treading water underneath 70 right now with not a lot of sign of progress. And, and, and the people on the right are getting crazier and crazier as this is all happening right at the moment when, when, when we need to be pushing to get over the hump to get toward, you know, to deal with Delta and get towards herd immunity and all that. I I just, at the Fox, I, I thought that the corporate, you know, Fox folks would just kind of tamp down on Tucker and like, let's just stop with the anti-vax stuff. And the Fox is getting worse. I mean, but last night, actually, Hannity worse. is like the voice of reason on Fox right now. And he's saying, like, consult with your doctor. Like, that's the best you're getting on primetime Fox right now is that you should consult with your doctor. You shouldn't just dismiss this out of hand. Both Ingram and, and Tucker are basically full anti-vax at this point. Um, and then you look at the states and 
and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the next level, but like, I, I just, you know, this is a moment where you do have to appreciate that, like, pe- people being in charge and their actions matter. You know, like they really do. Like this is not oh, an LOL yeah. nothing matters things, right? right. Like, no, like if you look at not. Utah, Spencer Cox is a Republican, but he's working really hard and genuinely to get people vaxxed. The contrast between that and Tennessee is dramatic. Utah's numbers are doing a little better. France, there was just a stat that came out that Macron, they were having problems over there. Macron, you know, basically said he's going to put in a va- vaccine passport system. At, within one day, if you look at this chart, Charlie, it's just yeah. like a hockey stick going up of people who got vaccinated the day after. So this stuff does make a big difference. And and right now, the actions of Republican politicians with, with like a handful of exceptions, justice in, in West Virginia, Cox in Utah, a couple a couple exceptions is just wildly irresponsible. It's getting people killed. And, and it's all of the deaths, like all of the deaths of this summer are from people who are unvaccinated, like like 99 percent. No, I, I undershot this as well. Okay, so you are the Bulwark's official uh, ambassador to the Youngs. I am. So um, Olivia Rodrigo, you want to talk yep. about Olivia? Yeah, you know, very good, very good. Boom. So who, who is I Olivia became, Rodrigo? I, yesterday, I became Nicole uh, Nicole Wallace's ambassador to the Youngs as well. Um, uh, because you, you, you had I, I, you had to Google her though. I did not. Halfway through you the didn't. segment, I was like, I want to. I wanted to be brought on for Olivia, and she's like, we're, you're, we're, "You're staying after the break. We're going to talk about Olivia after this. You're my yeah. official pop culture rep." Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a gay, Charlie. As a gay, you have to stay in touch with what's happening with the youth. It's part of our, you know, um, it's 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 a it's a gift of being a homosexual, but it's also a burden, right? Like the the obsession with youth. Um, you know, it's it's also you know probably you know something to deal with with a therapist, but um, you know. Uh, uh, I, I knew good for you. It's on my summer playlist. It's on the summer playlist that was in my Fourth of July newsletter. If anyone wants to feel what is like it? They, what, is, what is it, I got to write it down. Uh, good for you is uh, is her best song. Uh, it's the song of the summer, I think. Um, it's about uh, it's about her uh, an ex that dumped her and how she's sad and how the ex is is going on with his life and doing well. And she's like, well, "Good for you, you fucking asshole." Um, is basically the theme of the song, and it's a good little headbanger. I like brutal as well. And brutal, um, brutal, and, brutal, she, okay. and her wait, song, wait 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 we we yeah. got I, I just got to. For right, for the benefit right. of our audience, because this is a public service here. Yeah, please. Here's a little bit of good for you. Okay, that's so. Okay, so that's the song of the summer, and she shows up at the White House, mm-hmm. and she's in behind the podium, and she's in the Oval Office, uh, putting on the shades with uh, with Joe Biden, and doing the thumbs up, and all that stuff, and. I, I guess this was one of those reminders, though, that we live in a society where you can be massively famous and still 80 percent of the population doesn't know who you are. I mean, just just it because we're so segmented. It's totally different yeah, than the yeah. old days on this yeah. front, Charlie. And like you. So for for the Snapchat show, which I know we're talking about a little bit, but just yeah. I, in order to do research for it and to understand what like the kid, you know, because most of the people that watch it are like 18 to 25. I, I watch the other Snapchat shows to like try to just sort of see what you know, the kids are talking about. And, um, and I, I mean, it, Olivia is, is legitimately famous. Um, and still, I don't know what percentage don't know her, but still, as you're pointing out, many, many people don't know her. There is an entire world out there of like TikTok, YouTube, yeah, Snapchat know, right? stars who are like way more famous than Don Lemon. 
right? Don't want to pick on Don, but like more famous than Nicole Wallace. Like if they're walking through an airport and you got Nicole Wallace and you have this like James Charles or this random YouTube star, like the YouTube person is going to be stopped more times than Nicole Wallace at the airport. And like you, none of us, there's nobody listening to this that has any idea who any of these people are. I mean, there's like right. an entire celebrity ecosystem out there that is just totally off of our radar. And that is not that this was this is like a relatively new phenomenon. It, it is. And there was a time when I was thinking a little bit, you know, I felt a little anxiety, like I'm not keeping up, I'm losing touch. And then I realized, no, there's no way, forget it. It's not, it is not worth it. So in any way, uh, in any case, uh, Olivia Rodrigo shows up at the, what is she, 17 years old? 18, yeah. Okay, 18. Okay, she's good for her. Very mature for her age. Um, and she's she's pushing the vaccinations, which is a, a really a good thing. So can I give you the old response to this? Please. Because I, I saw that you had tweeted her, you know, standing behind the podium and everything that she, you know, made it at, at 18, you know, before you had made it behind the podium. <laughs> this was an ambition for you at one time. You want... Really? Yeah, ish. I, I was, yeah. I was, I was kind of leaning into the joke a little bit. I always kind of wanted to be the communications director, okay. like behind the scenes. I, I never, you know, I'm a little bit. I'm not. Um, I'm not disciplined, Charlie. I would say the listeners of this podcast would know this at this point that I always felt like the podium was probably not my best bet because I'm a little bit undisciplined. For yeah, the well, it would, have, it would have been fun. In any case, she's standing there, and uh, somebody commented on this on on Twitter, and I really was, was kind of struck by it. Was she's 18 years old? She's a pop star. And yet, either she or somebody in her circle knew how to dress her like a grown-up. She wore this this really very, very sophisticated, very grown-up outfit to the White House. And as we know, not everybody makes that judgment. And I was really impressed by it. Okay, and that's all I want to talk about with – oh, actually, I, I do have one more comment about uh, the Olivia Rodrigo thing, okay? Yeah. So um, because I was undisciplined and snarky, I took that picture of her making the thumbs up with, with Biden, which, of course, is the – I mean, that's that's the Trump thing, right? The thumbs yeah, up thing in the Oval Office. Yeah. And so I had to – I tweeted. I said, you, you know who hates this, who really, yeah. really, really hates this, don't you? You know, the, yeah. you know, in, you know, with the, you know, the, the cool chick in the White yeah. House <laughs> with the thumbs up, all of that stuff. There's a political scientist named, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter, who just tweeted out, this tweet by Charlie Sykes strikes me as reflective of what's wrong with politics today. Oh, Lord. This, no, it's, it's not the coups, it's not the sedition, it's not the bigotry, it's not the hypocrisy, it's not the design. Oh, no, no, it's, 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 it's my freaking tweet. This is a positive photo promoting vaccinations. Why focus on the person who's upset by it instead of the important positive message? Okay, so I've been, okay, so the positive message is there, but here's a political scientist that this is what is wrong with our politics. Um, I don't think that's what is wrong with our politics. It's a nice reminder sometimes that we can be a little snarky at the bulwark and focus on the positive. I, I do hear that. Um, I'll say this. I, I mean, she looked amazing. She looked like Jackie O or like Cher from Clueless um, yes, uh, right. in the, in the 90s, 90s reference there. But um, I thought she looked amazing. And um, so so good for her on that front. Um, and and I, look, I do think that, this, that they're – 
that this is notable for this reason. I, the 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 teen set, obviously there's going to be a MAGA teen set that's probably not going to get reached by this. But there's another set of younger voters that is maybe the Joe Rogan set that is listening to Olivia, right? And they're not watching MSNBC, reading the Times, right? Like right. they are they're off of that radar. And they're not sure whether or not to get the vaccine, right? And it's not necessarily for the anti-vax reason of, Oh, you know, nanobots or whatever, Bill, you know, Gates. But it's more like not that many young people have died. Like, is this the right thing to do? Is it worth it? Like, my, you know, am I, I'm too lazy yeah. to go. Like, there, there are a lot of other reasons for like for younger people that I think is different than what's happening, you know, in the in the politicized side of things. And so I, I do hopefully that will help. And they do more things like this because, all you know, those are the people you got to get if there's going to be now a hardcore whatever it is, 20% of the country that just refuses to do it because um, they're brainwashed. So I want to I talk about your Not My Party episode yeah. this week in a moment, but there's something else that's going on right now that I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get a handle on. Uh, the child tax credits are showing up in people's inboxes this week or actually in, in their bank accounts. And I, I'm, I'm seeing some buzz about it. People are saying, hey, this is very cool. I'm getting the money. Does this actually make a difference anymore in politics? I, I, I mean, I, I know that Democrats are counting on, you know, handing out lots and lots of money and, and pushing money out and maybe solving child poverty. I mean, it, I need to be snarky here, but I mean, the Democrats could solve child poverty and it would not gain them one percentage point <laughs> in the polls. Am, am I being too cynical? Does the, does something like this make a difference anymore? Can I just, can I, before I do yeah. give you my political analysis, sure. can I just talk about the merits for a second? Because sure. every once in a while I do like to you know, be a Republican again, not an actual Republican, <laughs> be a conservative again, <laughs> excuse me, yeah. uh, and go back to kind of my roots. And I just, I have a natural bristling to the, um, the particularly kind of the middle and uh, the upper middle class portion of this. Like, I did not honestly realize till yesterday, you know, how high up the income scale it is that people are getting, you know, the $3,000 checks. And it's just kind of like, is somebody that's making $200,000 a year, like like the government giving them $3,000 of their money because they actually paid taxes back, like kind of just offends me in principle. And it's like, here's a, here's a, here's a gift I'm giving you, $3,000 of your money back. Um, so I, I just... I just need to get that off my chest. Like th that, that is an element of this thing. I, I'm, I'm generally for the child tax credit. I like the, I think particularly because you know, the cost of childcare and there's a lot of good reasons for the child class tax credit for working class families. I'm more than happy to pay my taxes so that working class families can, can get a child, child, uh, is it a, are we calling it a tax credit? Cause it's actually hard cash for, I, and, I, I, for I'm a little people. confused between the child tax credit and the Biden bucks. Um, yeah. so it, I, I just both, know I that guess. It, you get it, half it, up front and then half in your taxes, I guess is what it is. Um, but, but I mean, it's, it is cash and it's flowing out there and yeah. so, it's going to be a lot for a lot of families. Yeah. So, uh, and for those families, I think that's great. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there that I, I do sometimes I, I, I bristle a little bit um, with my new team. I'm, I'm on board. I, I think that putting on my political analyst hat, I think you might be being a little cynical um, because here's the, here's the thing for a lot of families. And I'll be interested to hear what is happening in Sarah's focus groups with this. Um, for a lot of families that do really need this, like that are struggling to try to navigate Childcare and you know the rising costs of of kind of have just honestly having kids, um, you know because of the uh, 
you know, just uh, over over the decades, like the, there's just been an increased cost in our society towards, you know, human services, right? Human needs. So if you need a nanny, right? Like this is the time or you need someone to watch your kids yeah. like that is that cost more now than other things do. So I just I, I think that's great. And I think that, yes, like if, if people are feeling like their needs are being met, that will impact their view on politics. Not everybody, right? Like, like Biden and the Democrats don't need to win back all of the, you know, they're not going to win back any people that are going to a MAGA rally and that are anti-vaxxing and that, you know, think that Joe Biden is part of a globalist, you know, cabal, um, you know, to take down the country and turn it into commies. So like we're not winning. Those voters are not getting won over. But there are working class voters who I think turned to Trump because they felt like their needs weren't being met. Uh, by government, they felt alienated, and and if their needs are met, and if if their lives are made tangibly better, you know maybe they will vote for a Democrat. Maybe they won't just won't turn out, and and you know or or you know go back to their you know status before Trump. So, you know, it, it, moving just two percent. I mean, this is these are close numbers. Like moving numbers on the margins with working class voters, you know. And then if you look at working class voters of color. Democrats lost ground with them, right? So if you're if you're going back to them and saying, "Hey, okay, here is a tangible thing that I'm offering that that can help improve your life," I, I I do think that will matter, and I think that that was a big miss in the Obama years. I don't think people felt like the stimulus, you know, and Obamacare for certain. There was certain there was a certain category of people that really were helped by Obamacare that were right in that Medicaid, you know, um, mm-hmm. spot. But I think a big, big swaths of the country really didn't feel it. And in this case, most of the country it. will feel it. It'll be well. Tangible. Okay, let, let me let me just go back. I'm going to explain what, what's about to happen because this this is very tangible. This will be showing up in direct deposit in your bank account. So this is the American Rescue Plan. Child tax credit was expanded for this year, this tax year to a total of $3,600 for children five and younger, $3,000 for kids six through 17. The credit is fully refundable, even if you don't pay any taxes. So parents of children uh, five and under are going to be receiving $300 a month. Parents uh, who have kids uh, six through 17, it's up to $250 a month. And again, it's on a scale and it disappears at a certain income level. So basically, most people don't have to do anything to get the money. The IRS is going to look at you know, whether it has banking information from the tax return. And then it goes back to your 2019 tax return or whatever. Right. And then you start sending the money out. So July 15th, August 13th, September 15th, October 15th. November 15th, uh, December, same thing. Direct deposit. Money's going to be flowing out there. It's kind of interesting. And you know what? This is the kind of thing people are going to be talking about. This yes. is the kind of thing that at the fish fries and people are saying, hey, did you get that check in the mail? Is this a good thing? Are you going to use it? You know, um, I don't So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and, and, uh, and you know, and, 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 and yeah, and whether or not it is still the economy stupid. Uh, yeah, I just want to say also, you know, despite my personal reservations, it's about some elements of the policy. Uh, this is exactly what I recommended as a political strategy for the Democrats, right? I, like I, 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 I like wedging the Republicans' phony populism, um, I, I think is the right move. Will it, it? Will it certainly work? You know, no. First midterms are going to be really challenging, no matter what. But and you know, there are a lot of going to be a lot of other factors. But wedging these new voters who are not really conservative and or not classically liberal, right? That are not we're not drawn to the party because of Paul Ryanism, who've come into the party for Trump. 
um, you know, some of these people are just driven by culture and, and it, they don't, they're not gettable, but some of these people really are driven by this sort of anti, you know, bi- big corporation and, you know, um, sentiment, uh, they've come into the party. They, they have, they have union backgrounds. They're used to getting benefits like this. And, uh, and if the Republicans are lockstep against this and the Democrats are for it, it's helping their lives. They're, they're messaging and able to get to these people. So they know that this came from the Democrats and the Republicans voted against it. That's another key part of the strategy. Um, I, I think that you can peel off a certain percentage of people and and start wedging against the Republic the Republicans' new coalition the way that the the Republicans well, are trying to de- wedge against the Democrats' new coalition on and, on culture. And and of course, you know, it does feel pro child, pro family, pro life. Sure. All yeah, those those right, things are good. Exactly. On, on on the other hand, I I do wonder whether there will be resentment from other folks who do not have children. The money's going out, and yeah. particularly, I I think that the the danger of inflation is out there. I mean, it, that's that right now. That's one of the big asterisks on all of this is that if in fact inflation becomes a big issue and the Democrats keep spending money, whether they will be blamed for that, and 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 we and frankly, we just we just don't know. Um, Please don't know. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not an economist, but there's some of these stats go around and it's like airlines and hotels are way up over last year. It's like, no shit. So, speaking, speaking um, of, so I, I think we should wait a couple months before total panic on the inflation uh, front. I'm, I'm not in a total panic here, but can we talk about something just really awkward since yeah, we're please. talking about pop populism here? The, the Tom Nichols versus Tim Miller um, fight. Oh, um, battle. I mean, it just it escalated very quickly. People, you know, Tom Nichols is, of course, one of our good friends and uh, and guests here, and he has a piece in uh, the Atlantic uh, that talks about J.D. Vance um, and what a you know what a total asshole he is. He actually uses that uh, that that term, and um, he he calls you out. He says the writer Tim Miller recently noted in the Bulwark that within the space of a week, Vance not only tweeted his performative fear of New York, but also defended a Nazi from being kicked off Twitter, shared a thread defending election fraud conspiracies, fantastically claimed that Google was hiding his website, and mocked reporters for saying they were traumatized by the Capitol riot. And then Tom Nichols writes, Vance's rhetoric is even worse than Miller's description <laughs> and goes on. So he basically says, you, Tim Miller, were too easy. On J.D. Vance. I mean, he picked, I, I will say, I'm a little annoyed by this. I just, I'm going to have to be honest with you. I was like, it's it's in the Atlantic and it's, you know, I feel like if I'm good, I've got a lot of weaknesses, Charlie, but, you know, one thing I'm good at is a slam, you know, and, uh, and you, you and are known little, for it. Yeah, yeah. A little shiv. I'm good at a shiv, um, verbally, a verbal shiv. And, uh, and boy, and Tom's in there in the Atlantic, you know, being like, eh, you know, Miller kind of soft pedaled on this guy. I'm like, you could have gone, picked a different phrase from the article. You know, I called him a classic Yale douchebag <laughs> at another point <laughs> in the article. So, you know, I mean, I thought that was pretty tough. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, um, I, I just, I'm going to take it as a challenge in the future to not let Tom Nichols down anytime I'm, um, just up, you know, up, your, up your rhetorical up my, game, up my game. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's, I, I wanted to uh, just uh, circle back to uh, talking about uh, communicating with the kids, with the youngs yeah. and everything. You, you have this uh, weekly, you have the weekly Snapchat feature, uh, not my party, which is really outstanding. You did something. I, I just was watching it right before we started today's podcast. And this one, this week's edition is very, very different, isn't it, Tim? Because you're focusing on this humanitarian disaster in Ethiopia. And I have to I have to admit, I this was not on my radar screen. I knew nothing about it. You explain the politics and the background of it. 
And I have to say that this was all new to me and I should be paying attention to it. And I wasn't, but I was wondering, you're aiming at a teenage youngish audience that uh, this is going to be completely new to them. And it's going to feel very different from some of your other things, because isn't your argument, hey, so social media has not really focused on this terrible thing that's happening here. And you really should care about it when you, you probably can't even you people can't even find um, the Tigres and uh, who, who they are. And uh, you probably couldn't find Ethiopia on a map. Yeah, we'll see if it works. Um, I, I do. I, I think it would be fun to try spinach. to work you gave in them spinach. Yeah, I gave them their spinach. This this week, this week is spinach um, for the youngs uh, with with Snap. I, and I tried to make it engaging. And I think it would be interesting to mix in. I, I'm, I, I, I aspire to want to mix into the show. You know, some fun takedowns, um, some political, some little centrist political analysis, since they only hear from you know socialists and magas mostly, um, and you know with some some spinach, with some explainers, some lessons. You know, if they're not into it, um, maybe well, uh, maybe well, it was a was, worthy trial, but um, well, we'll see. I, okay, I was into it because I, I again, it's 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 a very it's very complicated, it's very confusing, yeah. you know, but but the horror is very very real. And the, near the end, though, what hit me was, you know, you're, you're talking about how the world's indifferent to the war, famine, ethnic cleansing happening right now. And the United States shouldn't be. But we have really and one of the reasons why we it, it feels so indifferent is that we have become very inner looking, that America no longer, uh, is, you know, plays that leading role. This America alone attitude has really permeated our culture. That we really don't. Uh, there was a time when I think there would have been more sense of, well, what are we going to do about this? How how does the world uh, react to this? But you know, maybe after four or five years of all of our internal strife and our internal focus and being told that you know we we shouldn't care about what happens in shithole countries, it has taken a toll. For sure. And just just really quick, I, I, I want to get to that, but, but for listeners who are like, what the hell are they talking about? I mean, the basic yeah. gist of this episode is is the Tigray region of Ethiopia is on the border of Eritrea. And and and, and last winter, really, last November, um, you know, when uh, the president of Eritrea, Abiy Ahmed, um, decided not to hold elections because of COVID, um, you know, there was protests in Tigray. They had held their own elections. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Abiy claims that they attacked a military base. We don't really know if that's true. They, Ethiopia sends in their own military and then black out this region and all matters of atrocities, rapes and murder, this horrific church murder. Uh, you know, you just have to watch the episode. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just horrific what has happening. Uh, now, there's a famine that is that, that experts are saying are worse than any famine that's happened in Africa for a half decade or a decade. And um, and 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 you know the Tigrayans are just kind of caught between uh, you know this uh, uh, their their own government that that is uh, uh, abusing them and and the neighboring Eritreans who are sending in their own military for revenge over years of year, past years of war. So it's just it's a horrific situation and um, and it's the type of thing that in the past I do feel like there would be you know telethons about right. in the 80s or you know now you know recently social media you know, everybody remembers the coney 2012 thing everybody's like coney we got to get rid of coney and you know who knows how much that did but there was talk in the 90s about the cnn effect that, that like when cnn would start to 
care about something that 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 the severity of the atrocities would go down because you know people didn't want to be shamed. Even these despots don't want to be shamed. Uh, and so, and and I do feel like that's changing, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into at the end of the episode. And I think that we have this bipartisan kind of view right in my youth right all through the 90s like the u.s should do stuff and like the the you know whether it's the aids crisis in africa or you know kosovo that like the u.s can be a positive force and people across the spectrum basically agreed with that now we have like the inverse right Right, where partisans on the right are like as a shit old country who cares and on the left you know it's like america's bad actually right and and if we do get involved we make things worse not better and so I, I worry that that, you know, particularly this, you know, younger generation that was that, you know, their entire worldview is like this post 9-11 where we fucked everything up, you know, is like, well, we can't do anything good anyway, you know. Um, and, and I just think that's totally wrong because if we leave the world to, you know, the Chinese and uh, Russians and the incompetent, you know, international organizations – like some of this stuff isn't going to get resolved, right? And, uh, and it is kind of incumbent on a Joe Biden type character to try to change that. Um, and I feel like he's been okay on some of this stuff, but you know his statement on Cuba was good. His, his statement on some of these other things have been good, but the action, you know, it, I feel like he's been very hesitant to want to, you know, get embroiled in in, in foreign things. And and I just I do have to say just to that point, like on the Cuban thing, the statement was good, but the idea that we're not accepting Cuban refugees is just. It's really bad, actually, and and so uh, so I'm, you know, I, I think that it, it hopefully you know we can you know, start to you know reestablish a sense you know among the people that like America can do good in the world, and I think that's a necessary ingredient for politicians doing anything. Well, th- that's what was so valuable, I thought, from from your piece was the realization that we used to have that consensus that America right. could do good in the world and ought to do good in the world. And that consensus no longer exists. And you really can feel that. And I think it's reflected in the fact that uh, that even the Biden administration is reluctant to to talk about this, uh, to to take its focus off. And I hate to use the word bandwidth too much because I know it's becoming a cliche, but there's just a certain number of things that you can focus on. And right. clearly, like the rest of the country, we've decided that we're not going to be focusing on things like this. And, and even the entire celebrity culture that would have at one time had a you know a massive telethon for Bangladesh. Um, right. This doesn't even seem well. I mean, remember that? I mean, it yeah. was and and this this is this is horrific, and that's not going to happen. And that's that's a commentary on our time and on our culture. Tim Miller, thank you so much. Uh, I know you're headed off on vacation. Uh, I hope you have a great time. I hope you chill out and put this behind you and turn off Twitter. Thanks, Charlie. Bucks in six. And yeah, hold me accountable on Twitter, okay? Um, when I'm when I'm particularly when I'm at the beach, all right? I, I, I need to I need to not be on Twitter. I think I bit. think so. And and I'm I'm saying this to you not because I'm giving you advice, but because I'm talking to myself. <laughs> no, no, seriously. It's like I hear you. The, the, I the, totally the, hear you. the more of us who go, hey, you know what? If you're going off on a beach vacation, do not stay on Twitter. I say this as somebody that will almost certainly violate that, although I would be so much better off. If I if I didn't so well, ne- I, I next week just just so you know for accountability purposes for listeners next week I'm in I'm in the mountains and uh, and kind of quasi working so it's not next week the following week I'm at the beach that is if you see me sending more than two tweets a day the following week 
you know, slap me down. I'll take a DM, you know, I'll so, take a, I'll take your reprobation. So when you come back, will you be tanned, ready and rested and willing Hell to take yeah. on the Big and, 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 and willing to take on the Tom Nichols challenge to up your game? Big bulwark August and I will make Tom Nichols proud. I was or you could have come back you all like mellow and like, hey, you know, life no. is still good. No, I'm going to no, come no. back with my fighting with my fighting gloves on. We'll be good. Looking forward to it. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.